How do you handle depicting fraught family dynamics with enough humor to be endearing? Kim's Convenience seems to be able to answer that question. Welcome back to What You Missed On. I'm one of your hosts, Kate LaChapelle. Today, you'll be joining me and Kim Weir as we delve into the season one finale of Kim's Convenience. We tally up Kim's predictions and discuss the honeymoon phase versus developed relationships, using humor to take the edge off vulnerability, and rivalries in the church community. Did Abba soften his approach? Did Janet develop a rebellious streak? There's only one way to find out, so let's get started. Kim's Convenience Season 1 Finale. Yay! I am still so glad that we decided to cover this show because this show is just so wholesome and like lovely. So lovely. And I enjoy it so much. And I'm glad that you get to enjoy it now too. Yes, I actually, you know, because like we had watched the season finale a while back and then, you know, things happened, the scheduling and whatnot. So I rewatched it again this morning just to kind of like refresh and instantly wanted to go on to season two. (laughs) But yes, it's so, so sweet. And the characters are, I mean, they're really simple. It's a very short show. It's very bingeable, but like, it's amazing to me how quickly you can become endeared to characters who are being, you know, like we're getting to know them in like 20 minute intervals, 20, 30 minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't need a lot of extra to be really impactful. No, they don't. And, and I appreciate that all these characters, like, even though it is a comedy and it is those like really short 20 minute episodes, they all feel like they have a lot of depth of character and they're allowed to be multifaceted. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And and just like they're like, I feel like Appa, like he's so stubborn all the time. Most of the time. He has his moments of not being stubborn, but mostly he's very stubborn. And like that can be like really grating on a person, but I feel like he he really grows on you. I don't know. He, like he's just really endearing. Yes, no, very much so. Um, by, by the end of the season, I was very much like, oh, he's my new TV dad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he's, he's like built like a dad. Like he's kind of like, built like my dad, honestly, yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's my dad. <laughs> Well, you know, my dad has been suffering uh, Well, he's been, you know, like dealing with uh, cancer for the last couple of years. So he's gotten, he's lost a lot of weight, but yeah, no, my dad used to be built like that. Mm-hmm. Dad bod, the real dad bod. The real dad bod. Not just like Peter B. Parker dad bod, but like. Right, right. Real dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Right, and there's do. something just very comforting. I don't know. Um, so do we want to get into the recap of what happened in this episode? Yeah. Okay. Let's jump in. Okay. So in this season one finale episode, uh, after Mrs. Kim's after Mrs. Kim's church rival, Mrs. Park, brags about her upcoming performance at the church's family singing festival. Mrs. Kim determines to get Jung to sing with her and kick Mrs. Park's butt. While Kim Chi and Shannon want to support the performance, Jung quickly, very quickly shuts it down. Um, the family car is broken, so Janet ends up securing a flashy SUV as a rental for Mr. Kim to pick up supplies for the store. And while he's out getting those supplies, he meets this like cool guy who kind of insinuates that Mr. Kim is also cool with the SUV. So at that point, he decides that he might like it a bit more than he initially thought. And Janet has some news that she's trying to hide. So when she finds Mrs. Kim singing to herself while looking at photos from the singing festival they won a few years ago, Janet decides that the best way to get her mom in a good mood is to sing in the festival with her. And that kind of results in her having to figure out how to get Jung on board and she ends up getting him to agree when she admits that she's moving out and wants to put Oma in a good mood before she gives her the news. Of course, all does not go well when they get to the rehearsal. Mrs. Kim is struggling to hit the high notes in the song, and it seems that her hopes of winning the singing festival might just be dashed. 
right? <laughs> and Mr. Kim, you know, he's basking in the coolness of his new ride, having Janet take, you know, post pictures of him with the SUV and smoking cigars in the patio with his friend, Mr. Meta, I believe, <laughs> um, as they discuss how good life is. Uh, and then Mr. Kim takes a page out of Mr. Meta's book and colors his beard <laughs> with mascara. <laughs> Before he goes to the rental place to ask what a lease or a long-term, you know, rental would be. Um, and things kind of quickly go off the rails after that. Um, he ends up in an argument with, with Yang and storms out. And, then, you know, he's really embarrassed. Uh, his pride has been damaged. Uh, Mrs. Kim finds Janet's lease and tells Mr. Kim about it. And they, they argue. Uh, but Mrs. Kim doesn't want history to repeat itself, and they agree to wait and see if Janet will tell them on, on their own. Um, at the church, the whole handy rental family has shown up, and as the Kim family takes the stage, Mr. Kim is secretly singing from the sidelines, which is so sweet. <laughs> um, he's eating out the harmony, and afterwards, Shannon introduces uh, Zhang to Alejandro. Alejandro. They go through... <laughs> trying to figure out this poor man's name <laughs> quite a bit, but the important information is that he is her new boyfriend at the store Mr. Kim pretends not to have been there but uh, Janet acknowledges it subtly and Janet starts to starts to tell him about moving out but he tells her he already knows so she tries to soften the blow with how often she'll be around and they have an emotional moment when he says that he will he will know that she's not there anymore, but he's accepting his daughter growing up and moving out. Um, they head up to the, they head upstairs to have a hot cocoa with Mrs. Kim. And that is the end of season one. Yeah, that's why they leave us. Right, that is where they leave us in that sweet, wonderful, beautiful moment. Yeah, I have to say, like, as someone who has moved out of my parents' house a couple times, a few times, <laughs> I've boomeranged. Um, that moment with her and Mr. Kim was so sweet and just so touching. And, and just, like, how his voice kind of, like, breaks and he's not even looking at her when he's, like, I, I will know that you're not here. Like, I, like I, I get that you're trying to like soothe everything. And, and oftentimes like Mr. Kim doesn't really lean into his emotions. He's not terribly emotionally available throughout the show, but, but he has like this really tender moment with his daughter where he's like, no, I will know that you're not here. Right. But it is okay. Like the, like, it's okay. She's, she is growing up. Yeah. That willingness to let her fly the coop and, and it was just so apparent that there wasn't this very Western notion of, well, when you're 18, you're getting out of my house and don't you dare come back. You know, like I've heard that and felt that sentiment from people at times as if that's the only way to be grown up as if that should be the ideal that you're just leaving home and never having to depend on your parents for anything again. Um, it's funny because that's not how it is in like most of the world. Of the world, yeah. Like what missing from that is the idea that you're born into a community. Like you're born into an insular, like a little pod. And regardless of what happens in the outer you know, because your pod exists within another pod, you know, within your community. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what happens in the outside world, you know, we could keep that, we could keep widening that circle, but you should always have your family to rely on. And you very much got that sense um, from that moment with Mr. Kim that he's, he's sad and he realizes that he needs to be, he needs to show her that he's sad because he loves her. And that's a way of saying, I love you. But he also needs to let her go because he loves her and she's ready to go. And that's a way of saying, I love you. But he also makes it clear that she can come home. In fact, he kind of threatens her that if she's <laughs> ever late to work, he's going to have to reduce her pay and then she'll have to move back home. Mm -hmm. And you know, she kind of jokes back that, oh, okay, well, then I'll never be late. Um, 
but through that interaction you definitely get the sense that like no like if janet ever decides for whatever her reason you know actually i think i want to move back home that that is a path that is open to her he would be more than happy to welcome her back and that's another way of saying i love you so it all just built to such a beautiful beautiful crescendo of this is a this is a father who loves his daughter and it was perfectly executed and i was so happy and i cried tears. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes <laughs> for comedy it does it does kind of hit you in the feels sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah but I yeah I just really loved that moment and I feel like this whole episode was was really nice it's a culmination of a lot of things that they started setting up at the beginning of the season um so why don't we actually dig into that since we're talking about Mr. Kim um we 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 you really because i've seen the show so i couldn't make too many guesses um for mr kim uh, we had written down that he was going to have a lot to learn especially with his children and he was going to have to make a sincere apology by the end of the season but that he also probably would not reconcile with jung by the end of the season and he, he, he's not reconciled yet because I, I didn't have a chance to rewatch the entire season, but I think that scene in this episode is the first time that they actually talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I remember being surprised that Young even came out because, you know, like the first time when Janet and Mrs. Kim tried to like arrange a meeting at the handy, you know, at the, at the shop uh young was like young noticed him and was like ah shannon you know take this take that <laughs> yeah and which is why i got the feeling that like she rushes out to meet him when she's like oh mr kim you look so did you do something different with your hair <laughs> you mm -hmm. know um, i definitely got the feeling that like she recognized him and she was running out to cover again and so it really took me by surprise when young just kind of walked out and confronted him um i mean character growth we'd love to see it but um yeah, it, it was just, it, it was the thing that you'd waited for all season, but it was happening at exactly the wrong moment. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because it was like, he, he was asking about this like long-term rental slash lease and kimchi comes out and like him and Shannon are both like, oh, you've done something different. And they, they recognize that like, like, I think kimchi is the one that's like, do you have makeup on? on your right. beard and then he ends up like smearing it across his face and then he's like really embarrassed and is trying to leave and that's when Jung shows up yeah. and and then like right after Jung comes in Terrence comes in and is like oh there's a big scratch on that SUV that just came in and it's like Ugh! it's right? just terrible chaos like that whole scene you're just like cringing and being like this is so uncomfortable and I can't watch this right especially it is, like that reunion is like the worst possible moment right it's like the the trifecta just kind of came together of like bad just bad setup you know like ah uh, and especially since they'd had that beautiful moment in the hospital earlier i think it was a few episodes earlier maybe, maybe one I, I can't remember the order but um it felt like they were at a point where they could. They were both wanting that meeting to happen. They were both eager and they were both in a place where it felt like if they could just come at the right time <laughs> and, you know, be vulnerable with each other, that they were going to be able to get over this hill that was between them. And it just, it just didn't work out. <laughs> Not in this season, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that meeting happened um when neither one of them would have wanted it to which I, I'm still like why did why did John choose that moment to come out like I don't understand well I think if I'm remembering the setup correctly he kind of comes in from the back and doesn't even necessarily realize that his dad is there until they've already like made face-to-face -face eye contact doesn't he but he says something he answers something that somebody's saying uh, I don't remember and then that's when Mr. Kim turns around and sees him like uh -huh. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be misremembered. Okay. So we just went and double checked <laughs> because I got interrupted. <laughs> um, and it, 
it is uh, Abba's talking to Kimchi and is being like, no, I don't have makeup on my face. And then Chung comes up and says Abba. Right. And he does seem a little surprised to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is coming from, you know, like the back where the cars are. So they do play it as if like, oh, it's not something that he chose, but it still reads to me as if, because when you think about it, like when you round the corner and you see someone you don't expect and it's someone you don't want to talk to and they haven't noticed you yet. You go you back still around have, the corner. <laughs> you still have the choice in that moment to dart back around the corner. And Young has shown us in the past that he's willing to even go so far as to harangue his actual boss into doing his job for him <laughs> so as not to deal with his father. So I'm in a gonna, glass I'm gonna, office that is clearly visible from the front it, desk. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm sticking to my guns that he's presented with a choice and for whatever reason he decides to, and I say whatever reason, but we just talked about that really sweet moment they had in a prior episode. So I, it does, I feel like emotionally it has been building up to that. I can see why he might be in a place to just ride with the moment especially if there's a part of you that has been wanting this for a while, but you don't know how to make it happen. You can't get yourself to make it happen, but then it's almost like fate plops it in your lap. I can see that. Fate intervenes. And especially like from where he's coming from, like if you were just overhearing the conversation, like there is a certain amount of distress that's going on. So there might be a moment of him being like, okay, what, what's going on like is this my dad can I help yeah in some way I don't know right right um yeah so no no reconciliation (laughs) right no reconciliation and they go from wanting to meet each other to falling back on their old habits you know um you know dad doesn't want to be seen in a week moment you know what I mean he doesn't want to be embarrassed he doesn't want his son to to look down on him or think him foolish and the son is reacting to his father's pride you know and that's where we leave it yep um yeah so I say full full marks for that because they did not reconcile I feel like they they have shown that he does have a lot to learn Mr. Kim especially from his kids so I feel like full marks on that um, and then the sincere apology by the end of the season. Yeah, I was, I, and I still think it would have been a good thing, but I, I don't mind that they kind of don't give it to us in the way that I was expecting. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would say half credit personally, but because and maybe this has something to do with the way that America, like American television works, but each season has to have, you know, a small reward, a small hill that we overcome. And then there's things that you reserve for like the big, you know, your big finales, because after you resolve those things, then you have to find a new point of tension. You know what I mean? Like it would have made no sense for, <laughs> for Young and, and uh, Mr. Kim to reconcile in this season. Cause then, okay, what do we do? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, Mr. Kim's stubbornness and his and the friction that causes within his relationships is something that he's going to have to get over in order to have a relationship with Young in the future. Um, because, I mean, it it goes without saying that that inability to apologize or to admit when you're wrong is probably why they were unable to why they had a falling out in the first place, you know, or at least it contributed to. Um, yeah, and we kind of saw moments, we saw plenty of teachable moments in this season where he's being confronted with the, you know, the fact that he's stubborn, with the fact that he doesn't really know how to say sorry to to the people that he loves when he hurts them or when he does something that, um, you know, wasn't helpful. (laughs) And I like the fact that there's not a lot of, there's not, they don't rely as much on speaking 
Like it's not an afternoon special where we have the morality lesson and then at the end, the characters sit down and go, here's what I've learned today, you know, and I'm really sorry when I hurt your feelings, Jimmy. Thanks for telling me that, Susan. Or, you know, you know, like it's yeah. not that moment. <laughs> and here's but the moral of the day. Right? <laughs> but we do see him learning because he acts, you know what I mean? He, choose, he, he does something, he speaks with his action. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say like half credit because like, I think that he, there was, there was a couple of key moments this season where you could definitely see him realizing that he was wrong and then choosing a behavior that would correct that. And the women in his life specifically accepting that as a form of apology, which is a whole other conversation because that can be a form of avoidance and, you know, is that always good? But um, I think that he's getting there and I, I think that they're going to continue that in season yeah. two. Yeah, and we even kind of see that a little bit in this episode where when Mrs. Kim finds that lease, his immediate response is that he wants to go like yell at Janet and like not let her leave and do all the like angry, grumbly appa things. Um, And Mrs. Kim is the one that kind of talks him down is like, like, I don't think she ever says this outright, but it definitely is like, her a lot of her arc with the relationship between Mr. Kim and Janet this season is really trying to make sure that they don't push Janet away the way that they did with Jung because she she doesn't want that relationship to fracture because she already feels like she has to hide her relationship with her son and so it was nice to see him kind of like calm down and then when he was presented with the situation on his own without Mrs. Kim around, when Janet tries to talk to him, he meets her with vulnerability and humor instead of going off the handle. Yes, yeah, no, exactly. And when you compare where the characters started and where they are now, you can see the growth and it leaves plenty of, there's plenty more growing still to be done. Yes. for a season one finale you know yeah um so then why don't we move on to janet since we're already talking about her um we you we you (laughs) thought there would be a bit more crossover with jung and kind of in the sense i guess this is talking about both of them in that she has to like learn more on how to like push back and rebel yeah. And that, and then you're like, kind of like bigger prediction for her was that she would be dating someone by the end of the season who was not a cool Christian Korean boy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't, ha- the cool, the not dating someone who's a cool Christian Korean boy. Uh, Korean Christian boy. <laughs> cool Christian that Korean boy. Of, yeah. That's what happened. Sorry. <laughs> I just got really like dry in my throat. (laughs) Um, So that did sort of happen in the form of, she had a flirtation with um, one of, um, was he Jung's friend? Oh yeah, yeah, Jung's friend, yeah. Yeah, he, I'm gonna say that he was an old friend of Jung's. He's a a police officer. There's a night where they get burgled and um, that leads to her kind of reconnecting with this guy and the the the, the, spy, the the sparks are happening, the fireworks are popping, and sure enough, they enter this sort of boyfriend girlfriend thing. Only interestingly enough, Janet didn't actually want to be called his girlfriend. Like they mm-hmm. were still feeling each other out, but they seemed very couple to me. And then her friend Samara was just like, "You're really closed off. Like if you want, if you don't, if you want this guy, like you're gonna have to learn to open up." So then she was like sitting in his lap and like essentially like acting like they had been dating for like three years in middle school, you know, like it was very like, love me senpai. And well, it's um, like the, uh, how we depict romantic relationships, particularly when people are like super into each other and like kind of all over the, all over each other, which isn't really like, like if you watch like older married couples who've been together for like decades, they're not like all up on top of each other like that. Yeah, that's very that's much true. the kind of like puppy love honeymoon phase of like right, exactly. physical attraction, but not necessarily so like every time I see that, closeness. I instantly am like, 
yeah, no, the physical attraction is there. Because mm-hmm. like when you were literally up on top of someone, you've got to be simmering. Because I don't know about you, but it's not actually comfortable to sit on another person's lap. It's not actually <laughs> comfortable to do the hanging off someone's back. I once was walking in the park and there was this couple where the girl was literally draped over the guy's back. Like the guy was laying on his stomach, reading a book on a blanket. And the girl was literally laying on top of him, apparently reading the same book. I don't know. It didn't look comfortable is all I'm getting at. <laughs> but they seem to be having a grand old time. But anytime I see something like that, I don't instantly think longevity. I think, oh, young, you know, like they're burning mm-hmm. hot. They're still burning for each other, which is fine. You know, enjoy that phase. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we all love, but it's true. Like when I see those (laughs) kinds of couples, I'm like, oh, you are like, you haven't been together for like a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could, I could be wrong. They could have been together for 10 years. Maybe, maybe that's, that's what comes to mind. Definitely. Yes. So like her, her idea of, of showing of like opening up was more on the like physical sense, not on the actual like emotional intimacy, which is obviously what her friend was was getting at. Right, yes. And Janet wasn't actually <laughs> feeling him as much as I thought she was. Cause like, I thought that they were definitely boyfriend and girlfriend, especially when they went and told, you know, Junk that they were together, you know, that they were like, essentially they have the whole like, hey, just so you know, I've kind of seen your, your sister conversation and he has his whole, he has to emotionally process that and eventually settles on that. I guess I'm fine with that. Just I'm not fine with you guys like making out in front of me and you like not. <laughs> and when Which, they're like fair, I don't know that I need my siblings to make out in front of me. Right. Very fair. Um, having had a lot of siblings and encountered a lot of significant others in my day. Uh, <laughs> I really don't need to see you guys macking. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, during that moment, they kind of have a, I can't remember what the, mis- like what the argument is about, but uh, Janet and the guy, you learn that they're not actually like, they haven't, she doesn't want to put a label on it yet. And I was just like, oh, it was just more, I guess, progressive than I was expecting. Yeah, I get it. I mean, she's, she's young. She hasn't had a lot of, freedom and she's still trying to figure out who she is and her own independence so I guess I get that but I think that's kind of a a thing for Janet and I wonder if part of like avoiding those labels is like okay well if we're not in a relationship I don't have to worry about introducing you to my parents I just was thinking that yeah no and I was like I think the reason why the because I totally understand it. And honestly, that's kind of the way that I prefer to date myself. Like, I, I think that putting a label on something so quickly puts way more pressure on it than there needs be. Like, it's okay if we're just friends. It's okay if we're just talking. Like, it really is. And we can, like, you can even kiss or, you know, whatever your specific boundaries are, you know, because a kiss is not a commitment, you know, a kiss is a kiss is a kiss. Um, so everybody make their own boundaries, yeah. but not yeah. having a label. Huh? I was going to say, there's a lot of weird pressure to, to like yeah. put labels on things as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, there, there really is. And which is kind of why I like the, I like the freedom of it. I like the, I like not being I like both of us being on the same page about the only thing that we're committed to is getting to know each other better. And when, and when I'm ready to move beyond that, I will clearly state that, you know, like people take advantage. Like there's another, there's a flip side to that conversation of like, there's plenty of people willing to abuse the lack of labels, but no, (laughs) like I will, I will set my boundaries and I will be like, Hey, you know, so we've been doing the, you know, we've been talking for a long time and I'm at, I'm at a place where I think that I really would like to move forward with you. Um, and if we're going to continue doing this, then I need to know where, what, what we're doing, you know, like that conversation. Um, so it, it makes sense for her, especially like, you know, her, you know, this is our generation. Like it's a, it's a, we're much 
freer in that sense, you know, generally speaking, but yeah. <laughs> I know I'm like trying to like put my thoughts together at the same time. Um, but generally speaking, we're all a little bit freer, but I guess because, uh, she comes from, uh, you know, like because she's, uh, you know, from the family that she's from and they have kind of established that the parents, especially the mom, you know, being rooted in, you know, Christianity and, um, there, there's that conservative upbringing that's kind of hanging over her head. Mm-hmm. I was very much expecting it to follow a more, I was very much expecting her to have more of a, more of that view, but it makes sense that she might avoid that, especially because as soon as you do put a label on it, you do know what your parents expect. Her mother a hundred percent expects to meet her boyfriends and approve of them <laughs> according and they to they better be cool christian and korean yes and they better be cool christian and korean so uh, well while we're talking about mrs kim do we want to talk about what we what what we i keep saying we as if i had any like say or contributions to this but <laughs> but what you came up with for mr mrs kim mm-hmm. you had that we would find out a bit more of who she is or i guess she would find out a bit more of who she is and she might that uh, Jung and Janet would be instrumental to pushing back to her pushing back against Mr. Kim to be herself, and that you hoped that religion would play into her character more. Yes, and I was so pleasantly, so pleasantly surprised that that ended up being correct, because like I mean we have that whole talk about how often religion is just kind of used as like a, a device mm-hmm. um, and it's just firmly a part of her character like yeah this church and this community is just part of who she is and like that's the way it should be and she still is allowed to be a complex character even within that like she's not a stereotype of your typical like church woman she's not clutching her pearls she's not you know she's not even used in in order to like cast judgy judgment on other people like yeah she has her rival at the church yes um, <laughs> Mrs. <you> Park <laughs> <laughs> but you get the sense that has more to do with their own personal history you know what I mean like yes people have rival rivalries you know um there's that really funny um there's that really funny episode where the new pastor comes and Pastor she's, Nina I pastor love Pastor Nina, Nina. She's like one of my favorite side characters in this show. She's very, I love her. And she's got a very statuesque um, <laughs> way about her. Mm-hmm. The moment that she was introduced and Mr. Kim suddenly becomes interested in, in attending church again. <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit was so funny to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love the fact that it gets to be a part of her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I can see, especially since you know she and Mr. Kim did immigrate, emigrate, whatever, um, from Korea to Canada. That I assume their church, their Korean church, was probably a huge part of building a community for them and for Mrs. Kim. Like that's where she finds friendship and also gets to be connected to her faith and. She's just, she's very involved in her church community. And, and I like that that's part of her character. And it's just like, like any other facet of a person that it's, it's there and it, it lends weight to some things that she does. But like you said, it's not like she's sitting around judging people, except for Mrs. Mrs. Park, who she's definitely (laughs) judging. But (laughs) but like you said, it's also very much like there is a personal history there. They're hundred percent like this Mrs. Park lady is 100% one of those like high class ladies who just like looks down on everyone else and thinks they're above everything. And Mrs. Kim is just like, no, (laughs) no. Yeah, no, their rivalry is a personal one. You know, they're, you know, how, you know, they're comparing children, they're comparing husbands, they're comparing, you know, it's all (laughs) the things that give a woman status in society, period. (laughs) And there are singing performances too. Right. (laughs) 
where Mrs. Park uh, plays the part of Liesel and makes her poor daughter stand there and play Ralph. Yes, this middle-aged adult woman <laughs> singing 16 going on 17. Right. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about the character of Mrs. Park right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like I don't, I don't since I didn't go back and rewatch it I don't remember how much she does push back against against Mr. Kim in the season beyond what we saw in the first and last episodes but I do feel like her I mean her relationships with Jung and with Janet definitely spur her to do more pushback than she might necessarily do otherwise but now that Janet is going to be off living on her own and it's just going to be Mr. and Mrs. Kim living together she might have to start creating some of her own boundaries that are she not revolving to. around her kids. Yeah. No, I was thinking uh, as you were like as you were speaking, I was trying to like I was like, did she? And again, I can't remember the exact particulars because it was a while ago now. But there's the episode where they are they go out the wingman episode hmm. where they go out and do karaoke, and Mr. Kim becomes jealous because she's essentially like she's the life of the party like um she's waiting she's funny you know everybody's loving it and then they go up into karaoke and he's in a snit so he decides that he doesn't want to do it did she did he leave i can't remember right like i i seem to remember that he left and she continued having a good time and i remember thinking that's what i like to see like obviously like within within their marriage like they get home and they again because Mr. Kim um is not at a point where he's able to say you know what I having thought about it I was a pill I'm sorry um they they they, they kind of like walk their way into a non-verbal apology where they end up um singing singing together the way that uh, Mrs. Kim wanted him to, to, you know, singing the song that she wanted him to get up there and sing with her. And um, yeah, it's when Young is stuck at the house and um, he's hiding out in Janet's bedroom and they're listening to them singing through the wall. And um, <laughs> he's like, I, you think they'll do the whole verse? And she's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, no, I remember thinking in that moment that I really, really enjoyed seeing her, you know, it's a simple moment and it's a small thing, but she doesn't allow him to, I guess, ruin her fun. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's in a mood and he's trying to say, let's go. And um, she's like, I understand that you're in a mood and I understand that you want to go and you're free to go. <laughs> you're free I'm, to go, but I'm like, not in a mood. I'm in a better mood and right? I'm going to stay. Right. Um not not essentially letting her letting him you know kind of walk over her in that moment and it stuck out to me yeah yeah so I guess we can we can hope that we might see more mm -hmm. of that in the next season yeah me I hope so I really enjoy their relationship I enjoy their marriage I enjoy both their characters because they both get to be separate people and they also get to be married they get to be you know real lovers and they have the high moments and they have low moments and they have fights and they resolve them and that you always get the sense that they're still united even though they've been through this really horrific thing which is the you know the breaking apart of the relationship with their son they're still together mm -hmm. and they're still working out their marriage um because you know like we can have the whole conversation again of like uh you know when your partner is unable to relate to the child uh, what do you do but it's encouraging to see them fo continuing forward together yeah. while still being their own people and i wish we got more of that in media like i think that we're we're starting to get to more of a trend of like seeing married couples like just get to be like married and have those normal ups and downs and not in the like sitcom-y type way but i i do think that there's so often I guess we don't really get the in-between is that we yeah. get the people like falling in love and then we mm -hmm. get people who've been married for like 25 years but we never right. get like that first five years of marriage or like navigating 
being together and building those relationships. I wish we got more of that, but I do like that they, they get to have a very kind of like real and complicated relationship with each other. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like we don't get to see a lot of the in-between, you know? Um, And part of this may have to do with a, a pitfall of story format period, because for there to be a story, there has to be some sort of crisis, some problem that we're resolving. And usually we have to pick a point on the timeline where this problem is occurring. But I would love to see more of that in between as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know like I have friends who are married and they're like, so many of them are like, I had no idea that the first year of marriage was going to be this hard. Like no one ever expects it. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever told them. And it's, it's not something that's like in media or anything. So they just don't know. But that's, I mean, maybe it comes from, uh, again, growing up, you know, in a very conservative culture that was very focused on marriage, but yeah. actually had the opposite experience. Like I heard all the time at the first <laughs> year. <laughs> and yeah. that's fair. Cause we did grow up very differently. So, <laughs> um, yeah, to the point now where I'm like, look, I'm ready for anything. How hard can <laughs> You'd be surprised. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, Yeah. So then let's get into Jung. We, we, I keep saying we, I'm just going to keep saying we, I'm so used to it. Um, I don't know what this means. Oh, wild card. I had this note in my notes that's like W slash C. And I was like, what does this mean? Wild card. Um, I don't understand my own notes. Uh, so the wild card theory you had for Jung was that he was going to have a fling with Shannon and Shannon was going to realize that he's not for her and that this fling would complicate his trajectory of gaining more responsibility. Mm. So we didn't really see, we, we don't really see complications to his we don't really see that manifesting yet. I think there are seeds of it that I saw in the season, especially with him, you know, like, you know, being invited to the conferences and the, you know, and there was the game that she wanted to, him to attend. And he kind of did this very juvenile thing of like, oh, you know, I, you know, like I, I get the feeling that my boss is attracted to me and she kind of wants this to be a date. So instead of just saying no, um, or just having a real conversation with her, I'm going to pretend that my mother is, you know, ill. <laughs> and um, that later has consequences for him when he is kind of realizing that he is attracted to her. Mm-hmm. He does enjoy spending time with her. And quite coincidentally, when he, when he does have an opportunity to go to another conference with her, and you know in a professional setting but there is that expectation on both sides that this could be this could turn into something more like there is a hotel room like we could just go back to the hotel room and have a coffee you know like Mm -hmm. there's that whole conversation that they have um but mr kim gets sick like really sick um or at least he has to you know um he's in he's hospitalized and he has to cut that evening short and Shannon's not a dumb, like Shannon, Shannon's not dumb. Like she's very peppy and very, she gives people the benefit, benefit of the doubt. And that is kind of what is lovely about her character. But even she's just like, I okay. That, I feel like that's what keeps her from being a Karen. Yes. Cause I remember our, our, our earlier conversation about that. And I would agree with you. Um, but yeah, even so she's just like, okay, fool me once. <laughs> Uh, but twice I, I can read, I can read the room that uh, this isn't going to happen. And I really enjoy that they show her accepting what she feels is rejection and not letting that complicate their relationship at work, not letting, not essentially like taking it out on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's, um, she is his boss. She could yeah. have just been like, I can't handle working with you. I need you. I'm just going to like send you to a different office or something. Right. Yeah. No, there's a million ways she could have made 
made that really hard for everybody involved. And, and you know, that's why you have to really think before you date your boss. But um, she, no, she's, she's incredibly um, gracious about it. Like she just kind of, she accepts it. She, she decides, she determines that she's going to try and move on and they're going to be friends. And um, Young on the other hand, is now dealing with the fact that like, oh, oh no, like she, you know, she's moving on and I'm not ready for her to do that. And I don't know how to convince her that I, this, this emergency really happened, you know, and that it wasn't a rejection. And now mm-hmm. there's Alejandro, you know. <laughs> um, Another and she, kink oh, in the plan. Right, another kink in the plan. And, you know, she's still his boss at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we've started to get the seeds of how this relationship may complicate not only his trajectory, but like his his work life. But we didn't really get, you know, as much of that as I was expecting. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Um, I was, I feel like I was hoping that you were going to have a, a prediction about him moving up at work but that didn't come to pass which is fine <laughs> um it was just like I wasn't sure if you were going to have those thoughts and I obviously I didn't want to say anything in the last episode like <laughs> so do you think he'll become the assistant manager um <laughs> which he does did I, did I not no no like we had just kind of like talked about the re- most not, not in any specific way just that like he he is on a path that like he's going to have to start becoming more responsible and his relationship with Shannon could complicate that but we didn't get more specific ah uh, um, no I, I get I get you because that's why I uh, brought it up because like definitely because I look thinking back at the conversation in my mind that was all part of him moving up because we also talked about him and kimchi like yes. i feel like i felt like the more responsibility he took on and the further on this path of no i'm gonna you know i'm going to take you know like i'm going to no longer be uh you know bad rad <laughs> young and i'm going to be a responsible adult and i'm going to take on this new persona that would create friction between the two of them um and in my mind like taking on you know more responsibility at work or whatever was part of that I didn't I'm not gonna sit here and be like yeah I knew we'd become assistant manager specifically but like. <laughs> yeah but but it makes sense that like you had it in your head that like he was going to be moving up at work in some fashion yeah. whatever that might mean um and then yeah I guess with kimchi we I feel like you very accurately guessed that he was going to be mostly just used for comic relief yeah yeah and he's fun he's great he fun, fun. <laughs> i actually really enjoy kimchi like comic relief characters can like be hit or miss with me because mm-hmm. they always feel a little bit wasted um you know it's just like okay i see you having to like make jokes but also this is, character still is supposed to be a person right mm-hmm. and i think that they do a really good job and in fact i would use this show as an example if i ever needed to like teach a class and like all right, so I'm writing a comedy and this character is meant to be ridiculous and he's going to carry a lot of the punchlines, but how do I also do that but remind the audience that he is a person and they do that really excellently. Yeah, I feel like Terrence actually gets used more of the like punchline punching bag that doesn't, yeah. that isn't quite as much of like a, a person, right. although he feels like a real person. Like yeah. as for as much as he doesn't have a lot of like character growth or development of his own, I know those people. <laughs> exactly right, and it, and I think that it works because we don't often see Terrence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's a he's a p- character that we're aware of, but he's in, in no way like a part of the like main core of people that we're following. You know, mm-hmm. the show is also just very quietly funny. Mm-hmm. in a way that like like sometimes they say jokes and you're like oh yeah that's like you can feel the punchline coming and like like you know like three jokes per page type jokes but but then like there is that line kind of like early on when Janet is like showing Mr. Kim the SUV and 
Mr. Kim is like, is there cocaine in the glove compartment? And Janet just like so smoothly is just like, how do you think we're paying for it? <laughs> right. Or when Terrence is there at the, you know, the, the church thing and, um, you know, kimchi has sold Terrence a ticket <laughs> yes. and he's realized that he's been got, but he is essentially arguing with kimchi, like, but nobody else paid for a ticket. And kimchi's like, but read what the ticket says. It like, says no, no refunds. <laughs> like, why are you trying to get a refund? <laughs> and he's okay. just like, oh, you are right. Like, it does say that. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, oh, Terrence. Gosh. <laughs> Yes. Yes. It's great. I'm, mm, I'm so looking forward to getting to season four. Because <laughs> like, they're all really funny. But I, I do remember like, watch. I don't even remember the specifics. But I do remember watching season four. And just like every episode just like, had me on the floor. So funny. Um, so I hope that we continue covering more seasons of this show for my own personal yeah. benefit. <laughs> Girl, I was literally going to be like, so when are we watching season two? Because honestly, <laughs> like, both times when I watched the finale, I re- like the mm-hmm. urge to continue watching was so strong. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the sooner the better, in my opinion. <laughs> that sounds good for me, too. So, I guess the question, now that we're at the end of the season, mm-hmm. would you go back and rewatch it? And would you recommend it to other people? That's a hell yes. Oh, <laughs> um, I was thinking, yeah, it's just it, keeping it real. Yeah, no, I watched it straight through. I would go back and rewatch it again happily. And I think that if you haven't already seen this show, then you are missing out. Definitely. Hard agree on everything, especially since I was the one that pushed us to cover the show in the first place, having already watched almost all of it. I was like, but no, we need to watch this show because Kim needs to watch this show because it's so well, good. I mean, so good and it's so silly of me but like it was on my list mm-hmm. of shows to watch for the longest time like I my roommate my former roommate uh Peggy uh ah love her to death but like she would watch it all the time and be like laughing in the living room and I remember being like oh man no I really gotta watch that show and just never got around to it so I'm glad I did that <laughs> me too me too and I feel like it's a show that like the people who know about it love it Mm-hmm. And it's either like you you have never heard of this show or you love it. Those right. are the only two <laughs> options. <laughs> only two. But with, you know, with Shang-Chi coming out soon, very soon, maybe the show will get a little bit more spotlight. Hopefully. We, we hope. We hope. We hope. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll watch season two soon. Yes. <laughs> That's a wrap on this week's episode of What You Missed On. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can find the show on Twitter at WYMO Podcast. You can find Kim on Twitter at KJOUR and Kate on Instagram at Your Story Unstuck. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Mm-hmm.